0: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: Welcome to SpotCast, Season 6, Episode 26. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we together are joined by Jaime Lopez, Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Going good. You ask us that every week and every week. It's still going good.
2: I think we need to start coming up with like really bad sob stories for one time I asked that question and be like... and I can't believe
1: that the, the truck
0: swerved
1: as the said that without asking like... Yeah. And I wasn't really running. I was, I was kind of walking fast. And there um, were
0: feathers everywhere. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And there were
1: 20,000 pounds of bananas. Um... That's a deep cut. All right. Uh, I don't have any fact check from last week. I can't. B- Another perfect, perfect week. week. Another Woo. perfect week. Woo. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll just jump right into the headlines. I've got the first one for a change. Uh, yeah. and this, is, this should be to no one's surprise that Apple TV Plus production has now started cancelling or putting on hold some of the pr- production shots they have, like production TV shows. And they call them first look deals are Suspended, and this is all because of the strike. So, um, some of the casualties are there's a, apparently a show by Natalie Portman coming out, you know, our very own Queen Amadella, no, Queen Padame, Padame, um, and something by Martin Scorsese, but apparently that's still going to go through. So, yeah, but uh, more strike news, and then
0: uh, I'll hand it over to Jaime for some more strike coverage. Woo-hoo. Yeah, along those same lines, because I was wondering, I was like, oh, how come there's like no ready room? Oh, that's right, because of the strike. That's they weren't singling out uh, lower decks. I think, you know, they probably had already done the, the ready room stuff for Strange New Worlds and presumably had not done any for lower decks. Yep. Um, so everybody's hurting with this. Um, everybody's finding a way to do new stuff. So ABC in the USA will air apparently an additional 10 Monday Night Football games. I was wondering why we were getting so many. It's kind of weird. Um, So, you know, they they air them, you know, at least one per week. Sometimes you get a couple in the same week on, you know, almost like a double feature on a Monday. But because there isn't, you know, a whole bunch of new content to share, um, you got to fill it with something. And apparently they've worked with the NFL to say, hey, uh, what if you move some of these games from whatever day it was, likely Sunday to Monday, so we could air some stuff and fill in the gap.
2: Wait! Wait till a few weeks from now. It'll be Tuesday night football, and then Wednesday night football.
0: Yeah, I mean the the U.S. Open just ended, you know, not too long ago here. Maybe they should do like another tournament, you know, like a like a Masters of Tennis tournament or just something, right? You get like uh, you know Djokovic and Roger Federer and Serena Williams and Venus Williams, and you you throw them in there with like a John McEnroe and Chris Evert or something. And, mm. Just put, the, oh, Billie Jean King is out there. You know, you do something to just like make a, a battle of the non, network stars. Yeah. It, as long as they're not doing acting type stuff and I don't know the rules, <laughs> but like clearly professional athletes are not actors when they're doing professional sports. Right. So I think that's where you got to fill with content of some sort. Yeah. I think,
2: I think the network stars are already
0: battling Tim. I think they're, they're battling the networks. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and, and before we go off of the topic, um, I'll, uh, I'll give a what a, a second plus one to Jonathan's choice. I don't know how many weeks ago of the Strike Force Five podcast with oh yeah, so many Fallon and Colbert and stuff like those those five folks are like really really fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, on the
2: uh, on the positive side of the uh, the television landscape, we are still getting a couple of new shows that were actually made before all this uh, all the shutdowns for the writers and the actors. And one of those things is Loki season two. Loki Season 2 was supposed to debut on Friday, October 6th, but given the success they have seen on Disney Plus with the primetime Eastern time zone dropping of episodes, they've decided to do the same thing with Loki. So we're going to see Loki dropping now at October 5th at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, So and subsequent episodes same time of the week. So it'll be a more or less primetime show like they've done with Ahsoka. So they clearly have found something that's working.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. And I feel like it also gives, um, since it's Disney+, Plus and that's owned by um, the Disney conglomerate that also owns ABC and stuff, like, it probably also lets you fill in primetime somewhere. It's not yeah. on, your, on the air stuff, so I'm kind of curious what they put up against it.
2: Yeah, that's actually, it's funny. I never thought of how they they are theoretically competing with themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably why they were doing it on, you know, Friday's kind of a weird day. I would mm-hmm. say, like, oh, well, it's not really yeah. high school football. Like, it's not like they normally air that on television. So Friday's, are, you know, historically the, the doomed day to die for network television, like, you know, Firefly or anything else that, oh, we've we've moved this to Friday's. I'm like, yep, that show's canceled, right? Like, you don't even know it's canceled, but it's canceled. It's just doom. But streaming doesn't seem to follow that same sort of doom and gloom thing, probably because you can you can watch right then or you can watch it on Saturday morning or whenever. And so I feel like choosing Thursday probably fits into that, like there was something they wanted to have there and they, they don't expect to have in their, yeah. their broadcast stuff.
2: Yeah, cool. Next up, so last week we talked about the uh, rather interesting development where uh, the comic creator Bill Willingham had made his very popular series Fables into a public domain product so that he could uh, sort of stick it to uh, DC Comics over the fact that they were trying to basically... Uh, assert rights that he felt he did not have in their contract. He thought it was a creator-owned product, which means he owns it, and that's what the paperwork he has seems to indicate. They seem to think that they can do whatever they want with it, and we were uh, talking about it when it was just kind of breaking last week, so this week we got the aftermath of that announcement by Bill Willingham, and of course, the aftermath is exactly what you'd expect. The good folks at DC basically said uh, they are exploring their legal options, and they have hinted at a lawsuit to protect uh, what they perceive to be their rights. So I will read you this lovely statement. The fables, comic books, and graphic novels published by DC and the storylines, characters, and elements therein are owned by DC and protected under the copyright laws of the United States and throughout the world in accordance with applicable law and are not in the public domain, the statement reads. DC reserves the rights and will take such action as DC deems necessary or appropriate to protect its intellectual property rights. Shocking development: large corporation plans lawsuit. What? So, yeah, I don't. Know. It's unprecedented. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm. Um, I guess I'm not surprised. I think that was probably where this was inevitably going to head. But uh, yeah, I'm. I will definitely uh, keep my eye on this story and, uh, and let you know as it develops because this is an interesting case for uh, for creator rights and artist rights. And uh, I'll be curious to see if if. You know, this is not one of those cases where big business crushes little talent, which seems to be playing out in a few different arenas right now. I had to flag this next story because it made me laugh out loud. So every year we get weird and wacky Christmas tree ornaments. We've had some really funny ones. Tim, I think one of the high watermarks for you and I was the... Uh, the resurrection of uh, of Anakin Skywalker as Darth Vader that hung on the yeah. tree that had a Blast sound mm-hmm. when you play, played the button. It said uh, no. It was really <laughs> awful. Just a genuine atrocity to hang on your tree. This one, I oh man, this is this is a new high water mark. So uh, this being a Star Trek podcast, uh, we <laughs> will tell you that there is a new Hallmark keepsake ornament available this year that features Data from Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Picard and his cat, Spot, who I assume in continuity is probably long dead, Mm -hmm. wherein you have this beautiful little ornament where it's Data holding, wearing his TNG uniform, wearing uh, his classic uh, outfit, holding Spot. And when you press the sound button, it plays the poem that he wrote, Ode to Spot, from the classic uh, episode... Where uh, in Riker is being kidnapped at night and can't sleep and he falls asleep during the poem. Felis Catus is your taxonomic nomenclature, an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature.
1: Is that what he says when you push the button?
2: Yes. (laughs) It's actually Brent Spiner's voice and it is him speaking the poet, the poem that he read in the show. Okay. Genius.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, the other other ornaments they have on this article below are these new as well or yeah
2: a badgie, there's uh, for example it's worth mentioning there are a few there so there's the uh the picard and scotty one there's a badgie for for those of us who are big uh, lower deck heads yeah there's there's some really good stuff but uh yeah and of apollo don't forget Hand that of Apollo. that's right it's <laughs> that <one's> nuts <laughs> yeah i think great yeah there's a whole Whoa. uh whole bunch of them coming here at two different badgie ornaments it says
1: yeah and the enterprise too w- w- the enterprise with with the uh the, or- the planet that changes color
2: yeah so that's a tabletop it's not a it's not an ornament yeah. that you hang on your tree but yeah very cool
1: but there is there is an enterprise you can get with with kirk right running yep. with running with phaser <laughs> running with phaser yeah mm-hmm. yeah the uh the Scotty and
2: picard one is a really weird random one too where it's just <laughs> the two of them standing there shaking hands like yeah, all right
0: hmm. yeah it's um you know just imagine you have like sort of casual non fan person showing up I and mean, I think that we see, you know, an enterprise or something. Oh, okay, like I understand what that is. But then you see like, hey, what's with this this dude holding a cat? What's that about? And then you have these two old men sharing like a whiskey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or green Kool-Aid if they don't know that it's like a drink, an alcoholic drink, like, what's up with this? <laughs> but it feels like a um like an icebreaker kind of moment yeah
2: it's it's an unusual one and you know of all the moments from TNG and uh, you know I'm a Scotty fan but of all the moments in TNG like really we needed that moment like that was the one (laughs) that was the moment they wanted to single out well of data yeah no not of data the one of of Picard and uh, and Scotty oh yeah that I don't
1: understand that one at all it's you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah Although I must admit, I'm I'm tempted by the badgie. There's good badgie and evil badgie, and they come in the same box.
1: Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm scrolling through the Canadian site. I can't find any of these uh, Christmas ornaments on the Canadian version of the site. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Oh, ornaments. I guess that's where I should be looking.
2: Tim, you know the neighbors don't like this. It's, it's okay. okay.
1: Okay. The junk uncle? You
2: mean? They're 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 jealous. It's okay. It's okay. We know.
0: Yeah. Moving on. You're looking for something to stream uh this is already available now as we record this podcast but a uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem is available on paramount plus in the u.s and canada mm-hmm. started watching it last night oh, it, was it, it on it, already oh yeah, yeah 19th i guess right yeah did did we have a news item where this was stated this uh, this particular day because i felt like no. it came out of nowhere just, just like i available. agree I mean,
2: yeah, I agree. I think it just it, it was just there. I honestly didn't notice it was there till I saw you put it into the notes and was like, what do you mean it's already there?
0: Yeah. And they usually have like like for me, if I don't see an explicit announcement of this sort of thing, I'm usually sort of keeping mental track of your Oh, OK, it's available on Blu-ray and DVD. OK, so not that long after, you know, maybe like a month after it'll be on streaming. This one was just like surprise. Yeah. Um, makes no sense. To me, whatsoever, like this is a property that you should definitely be getting people hyped up for. Like, this is why you go spend some money on Paramount Plus for your kiddos, for the family, for whatever. Again, when uh, Paramount, you know that that company uh, has CBS. So if CBS is struggling with what are we going to show uh, during the strike, it's like, well, you probably could have made a big, you know, moment out of this too, <laughs> instead of randomly releasing it and people not knowing it's there, but. Hopefully if you listen to this podcast, now you know. Yep.
2: I watched I watched the first half uh last night before I went to bed and I enjoyed it. It's an interesting take on it, but it was a little derivative. It definitely felt like they were like, Hey, have you guys seen uh Enter the Spider-Verse? You're gonna dig this.
1: Oh really? Oh well, no doubt. I mean it, animation
2: style, mm-hmm. the vibe, just yeah. It's again it's funny. It's good. I enjoy what I saw. I'm a Turtles fan. But it was I couldn't help but a few times be like, come on.
1: Come on. Like, come on. It looks a little painterly like compared to the other. It's
2: it's not as well done. It's it's it is very well done. I, I did enjoy the animation style, but it's not quite at the caliber we've seen in the in the two Miles Morales movies.
1: Right, right. That's unfortunate. All right. Yeah. Well, We're at that part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek related. And this time it is once again, Star Trek's Lower Decks season four, episode four, something borrowed, something green, which immediately made me think of Orion. Orion. So what do you guys got for elevator pitches?
2: Uh, I'll go first. We had, uh, I had uh, some things in life require more than a murder bug or a Mark Twain wig to fix.
0: Mm -hmm. And Jaime? I went with something a little bit more straightforward, which was that uh you know, Tendy's sister is kidnapped, so she and uh Mariner and Tillin you know go find said sister. And on the B side you have Boimler and Rutherford are struggling as new roommates. Brotherford. 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 That i mean we might as well just go into that quote. Nothing can stop Brotherford was one of my quotes that <laughs> picked up.
1: Yeah. And, and I mine is everybody loves a bonsai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Any pew pew in this one? Oh, I thought
2: the murder bug game was awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. With the shots, right? With the, yeah. So basically, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you've read it or read it. You watched it if you've uh, if you're tuning in to listen to us. But the idea is it's a it's a drinking game where. Every time you do a shot, it puts a force field around your hand, and your hand has to stay in place on this table, and this really nasty-looking bug is going to attack you, so you have to keep doing shots while it travels back and forth between you and your opponent. Uh, that was very, very funny. Very, very funny. The line from Mariner, I'll, I'll just jump ahead to the one of the quotes, was, uh, uh, "Tendy, how are you so good at the murder bug drinking game? Yeah. I don't know. It's my first time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. I like how she captures it with it with the with a, the the, the high ball glass, right? So yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I catch wasps. Um, I need to go outside. I like the the venture between uh, the 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 two um, roommates uh, as
0: um, Mark and so, yeah. That was like a great <laughs> yes.
2: passive aggressive. Pew pew pew.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's those. a good Easter egg as well, because the Mark Twain character yeah. came up, uh, I think, several times, if I'm not mistaken, on the TNG. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, so did we jump to the, the Easter eggs? I see you got tween, twain, Twin I, Twain. I did there. have the Twin
2: Twains. Again, it's one of those great moments where I'm always very, I give myself a little pat on my bald head, and uh, I wrote down Twin Twains, and then one of the characters said Twin Twains. I was
1: like, there it is. No way. Yeah. 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 And and have we seen um, Rutherford's uh, model of DS9 before?
2: Yeah. I feel like we did see that one at one
1: point, right? Because he was working on it at one point when they were. Well, he was doing one where he had a little warp core and he had to dump the warp core to escape. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't. It was another another ship. It wasn't the. Um...
2: Yeah. Maybe we haven't seen a DS9. I'm trying to think of all the. Because the, he's always building
1: models, right? Yeah. And you could see Jack's. Um, or not Jack. Um Boimler's, oh, Boimler's, yeah. Boimler's, um, what do you call it, his action figures on the shelf as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that there was a gray sort of structure, which I I, th- I think was an Easter egg, but I couldn't place it. I don't know if you saw it was beside the DS9 on the shelf. Oh, I'll have to look. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have to figure that one out. I'm sure somebody will post it. Yep. Yeah. Or-
2: the other one that I got was the, uh, the Tendi just mentioned it in passing, but it made me laugh when she said, oh, it's just going to be a traditional Orion wedding. Oh, they're going to want us in pictures of be- in pictures of us in our belly dancing outfits.
1: That was yeah, a great dancing, yeah. deep cut, but excellent. Yeah, I like that one a right, lot. Back to the fir-
0: very first show, the very first pilot. That's right. Orion right, Slave Girl. Yeah, this episode had, you know, uh, sort of a fun time of like, you know, trying to avoid the you know, stereotypes are a certain way painting an entire people's with a broad brush. And then like giving us both halves of that, right. Of like, Oh, the family is straight up like this, right. You have people who are just straight up Orion pirates. You have the, uh, you know, the pheromones thing, but then a little bit of a twist of like the pheromones thing is, is real and not a, what's my, is my item here. Um, you know, not a thing that Starfleet had to explain how yeah. a captain got taken out by slave girls. It's a real <laughs> thing, but not everybody has it. So that yeah. was kind of an interesting way to pull it together to give you some space. Where like somebody's got to be the scientist, right? Somebody had to develop warp capability. Somebody had to develop weapons and stuff. Not everybody was around there plundering loot and doing all these weird yeah. uh, sort of things. They did that whole episode about you know the the. the
2: Crossover episode they did with the science, yeah, the science, right? Where they had like the oh, they you know they actually did oh they had scientists, right? Yeah, that was the episode they did of Strange New oh, Worlds with the, the Orions,
1: yeah, Strange New Worlds. And so have we, have we come across? I, mean, I don't know, I'm, I don't know if the female ph- pheromones is uh, an Easter egg too, though, because did we, did we explore that in Lower Decks before?
2: I don't know that they actually did. I, they they've certainly explored a little bit more of the Orions because they had the Orion who came on to the ship and uh, they did the exchange, right? But mm-hmm. I don't think they really got into the pheromone part of it there.
1: Yeah, no. I like the, uh, the the matron who's at the end of it says to the guy, I "Lick my feet." <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a mariner quote from there, the, that area that uh, of the show that like I had to write down, which is oh, mariner I, saying. I hope
2: you did, Jaime. That, <laughs> pretty,
0: I caught it too. Pretty nice hump dungeon. I think they have one of these in New Seattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Do
2: they have those in old Seattle, Jaime?
0: Not that kind of thing where you, uh, the, the consent part seems a little odd here. It feels like some people intended to go there to get taken in by the pheromones and some uh, maybe had like a street tout or something. Uh, yeah. Describe something different and they really didn't want to be there. Yeah. Where do you think New Seattle is? Do you think New Seattle's on Earth or is that on another planet? Mm. I was wondering about this as well because I was thinking about, you know, have we heard anything in the lore about? where a new seattle would be so uh for for folks who are thinking just of earth it's like you know you have uh a york and then a new york Right? all right that, that kind of makes sense and then uh since we know that there were things like the bell riots there was world war three all sorts of things where you could have had you know Current Seattle get destroyed and replaced by a new Seattle. And to your point, it could be on a completely different planet mm-hmm. or moon or yeah. something. Um, so I don't know. I, I hadn't considered the, the, the planetary interplanetary perspective on it. I just kind of assumed, Oh, uh, maybe it got destroyed during one of the wars or something. And, uh, they made a new Seattle vaguely, approximately close in the Pacific Northwest, but could be elsewhere. I don't know. Um, did anything strike you as a as a likely location?
2: No, I think I probably took your approach of, you know, there is still supposed to be this disastrous 21st century that we currently live in that uh, sees all these, you know, terrible things happening. I assume that at that point, Seattle goes up in a flash of light. And then from the ashes rises, new Seattle filled with hump dungeons. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's, I don't know. I, I was thinking like, where would I want it to be? I'm like, I don't know. It'd be cool if it was on the moon. That'd be neat. But uh, but you know Seattle kind of fits where it is.
1: But you know there was a show I used to watch in I think the early seventies. Like um, that was like sort of Seattle frontier town. Like maybe that's where the reference comes from. Like in terms like because it used to be. I guess Seattle must have at some point been part of the what do you call the the Wild West? I guess right. Yeah. Because um, it was a port town, right? Yeah, so, because I'll I'll look it up while you guys are talking about other
0: things, because I do remember the
1: actor that was in it. I'm just trying to find it now.
0: Jaime, are you old enough to remember Dark Angel? I was going to bring up uh, the Jessica Alba front piece of Dark Angel, where, for folks who don't recall, this was a, uh, I guess, post-apocalyptic kind Mm -hmm. of show, where uh, I don't remember who did the big EMP, Electromagnetic Pulse, over the U.S. Yep. Yep took everybody's technology out so you have like a like a Mad Max but not out in the desert this was you know in the gritty town of Seattle yep really but without yeah. power No yeah. power for anything yeah so it's you know think of like uh you know like The Last of Us The Walking Dead uh Mad Max the what happens when you don't have access to basic electricity and hygiene stuff and, and if you remember the promos for the show if people remember at all you almost certainly remember Jessica Alba being on the top of a very unique looking building. That is the space needle that she's on top of. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, I actually enjoyed that series. It's James Cameron was the, uh, EP on that show. And, um, yeah, I actually enjoyed that when I watched the the first season, probably better than the second one, but it kind of leaves on a cliffhanger, which has bothered me for 25 years. They never had a chance to finish it. They did, I think, on as I have the the DVD box sets, which I'm sure they don't make anymore. There's a uh, scene in it where they or uh, one of the bonus features in it. They talk about what what would have happened in season three, but uh, still not the same. Come on, Jessica, you're still a young woman. Get out there, make this happen. You're powerful.
1: It's interesting. I've seen a lot of shows with EMPS, and I didn't realize that that uh, that um, they all followed that formula that was started by Dark Angel. I never actually watched Dark Angel. Yep, for some,
2: day. Uh, well, if you ever want to borrow the uh, multi-disc uh, DVD sets, I'm I'm your I'm your person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do remember the funniest part of that show was in in the effort to try and seem slightly futuristic that they were all driving Pontiac Aztecs, um, oh, which, yeah. if you'll recall, were those weird ones that had like the tent that stuck out yep. the back. It was kind of huge, giant sort of SUV station wagon crossover thing. Uh, My boss
1: used to have one of those.
2: Yeah, it just, uh, it, there's a lot of scenes where they're driving those and it, they're just like, oh, we're in the future. I'm like, God, I hope that's not the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, best quotes for this episode. My, there was so many, uh, this one, I feel like you should have on like a motivational poster, uh, from Talin celebrating a lack of purpose is illogical that really hit home in an unpleasant way. Um, it's like Grandma Grandma Boimler used to say, a cool duvet keeps the raisin rats away. Uh, I love it when they reference Boimler's family raisin farm. That uh, just never is not funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're barely the fifth largest family in the syndicate. Tendy humble bragging about her uh, her family's wealth. Uh, uh, yeah, you got the pretty nice hump dungeon. That was a great one. Uh, how are you so good at the murder bug drinking game? Uh, Niall's got some speed for being a big old hunk of ham steak from Mariner. That was pretty good. <laughs> she always gets the best line. Tony Newsom's awesome. Um, from from Kokor, the uh, the the uh, alien that they encounter uh, the on the uh, the, the Ceritos. Kokor says, "We don't trust Starfleet data. It's too nuanced and thorough." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which as somebody who works for a data company, um that could be applied to some of the provinces and territories in this country. But anyways, um why am I wearing this itchy hair hat when they make kokor and uh, Freeman dress up like Mark Twain's? Uh again, so stupid, so stupid, but so funny. God. Uh and don't worry, we know you're a big nerd and not some hot assassin. Yeah, Mariner, always coming through. Uh, my big question for this episode uh, is: Is how many daggerings is too many daggerings? Because we see three of them, and then on the, back on the ship, Mariner says she got stabbed a fourth time. <laughs>
0: yeah, even when she hid behind uh, like a console or something. Yeah, the, uh, the, <laughs> the same deflected one, knife. What are
2: the odds?
0: <laughs> yeah. In the same hole too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my my big question is related to um, one of my quotes. So the uh, the lower deckers, the Orion lower deckers, where they have a A quote where one of them says, you know, we're not real pirates. We deliver supplies to real pirates. We're like pirate adjacent. (laughs) Um, That's a good (laughs) one. So those are the latest lower deckers that we've seen get wiped out Mm -hmm. by the mysterious uh, spacecraft. So my question is, which species will we see next? We're not that far into the series. It's only, you know, episode four. So I don't don't think we're going to see the big emergence of the big bad yet. No, it's got to be the Borg. It's got to be a Borg in there, right? Nah. You don't think? different. Cardassians? That's too convenient. Cardassians? What are they called? The right way? It's like, I don't know. That's yeah, a question. It's an odd one for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, I did note it at the end of the episode, because I, I kept hearing voices and thinking, I know that person, but I can't place it. I know that person, but I can't place it. So I, I paused in the end credits to see, because I knew I knew some of those voices. So I wrote down four of them that I knew were people that I recognized. So. um I don't know which parts they played. I didn't have a chance to look it up. I didn't have time tonight, but uh, I'm sure we can always do it in a fax check next week. But um, Kimiko Glenn was one of the voices. She was one of the stars of Orange is the New Black, which is very good. Um, Nolan North was one of the voices there. Uh, he has been a voice in a lot of different things, but most notably he was uh, Snake in the Metal Gear Solid games. Hmm. Or sorry, no, not Snake. He's um, uh, Uncharted. He's... Uh, Nathan oh, Drake in yeah. Uncharted. That's what I'm thinking. Right, right. Uh, Lauren Tom. Lauren Tom is one of the stars of Futurama, and Ariel Winter from uh, what's the name of that show? I never watched it. Um, Modern, Modern Family. Family. Modern Family. That's the one. That's right. Or, or perhaps Stars Burn. on Mars. Hmm. And there was other names there that I kind of rang a bell. I saw Carrie Wahlberg or something like that. Again, another voice actor that I, a name I
1: recognized. Yeah, I thought I thought it was um, uh, Walgren. Walgren. Carrie Walgren. That Sorry. guy, uh, the Canadian dude, um from the three comedians, um Smartless. I love this game. Hmm. Smartless. Smartless. Oh, uh Will Arnett. Yeah, that's so what I thought that the, the one guy talking was, but I guess not, right?
2: I d di- I didn't see him in the credits, but uh
1: okay. yeah. Yeah, but yeah. In that's... the ship that was got that gets uh, he was the the male or Orion.
2: Yeah, I thought he he rang a bell. That might have been Nolan North. I I don't know. I, mm. I again, I didn't have a chance to look up who was who was whom. But uh, I guess uh, we'll see how we do, do on our Slack channel. Don't forget to join our Slack channel and be part of the conversation. We have a good time there. Yeah, cool. Well, we
1: we've we've had our had our, uh, our appetizer. Are we ready for the main course? Well, before we get there, can we not discuss the um, the uh, was it worst contact? Worst contact. Yes. Did you watch *Worst Contact*? I
2: did not. Is that uh, the very sh- short trick? That's the new short oh, trick. Oh, I know. I didn't have time to watch it. Oh well. So yes, we cannot discuss that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting. Let's pretend. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in not in a not, it's it's disgusting in a in a ten year old boy way, right? Okay, but, okay. Yeah. Like well, it's now pretty. I want to watch it. Look what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That was my intention. <laughs> yeah uh yeah anyway. no i
2: i uh i saw it that it had popped up and i thought oh i gotta watch that before the show's on but it's been a week so I, it was
1: I below the ornaments that's why i ended up watching it right? oh nice scroll to the bottom and i said oh look there's and you guys hadn't posted it i thought that's odd but yeah no i am i i highly recommend that you know you don't
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i'll be doing after the after show 100 percent,
1: or during the after show or yeah maybe that we'll see all we'll right see We'll just shake. We'll shake hands on that. That's we got a deal. Deal. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Madame Ahsoka Tano, the White Star Wars Ahsoka Part Six, Far Far Away. So, when last we saw our intrepid travelers, they were getting inside of a big giant whale. Yeah. I'm positively biblical. Heading off. to, Yes. Heading off to uh, new horizons, as it were. Right. So further, further away.
2: Well, I decided to go whimsical on this one. A long trip is always worth it to see familiar faces when you get there.
1: Hmm. So, well, see Uncle Thrawn, are you?
2: <laughs> well, I was thinking more uh, uh, Cousin Ezra, but you know.
1: Oh, Cousin Ezra. Uncle I mean, Thrawn, everybody Cousin got Ezra? to see
2: the person they were looking for, right?
0: That's true. True. I mean, what'd you have? I had, right now, in a galaxy far, far away, we see that Thrawn <laughs> is still up to his old tricks.
1: <laughs> right now. <laughs>
2: Uh Right now in a galaxy far farther, farther away. Uh did it strike you at the beginning of this episode starts with Ahsoka and Huyang inside the Purgle flying through uh the the hyperspace path towards uh their destination. And uh she says, Tell me a story, and he starts the story with a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, which of course no one's actually uttered in any Star Wars series, was kind of an interesting thing. I don't know if it was a good thing or a
1: bad thing, but it was a thing. Well, that was one of my quotes, but I mean, but he, she starts, he starts to say, he says, you want me to tell you a story? And she says, no, I don't think so. And then they, they talk about something else. And then finally she says, okay, fine. Tell me a story. And he goes, okay, as you, as you like. Yep. And he carries on with one long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah.
0: You know, very, I never know what happens <laughs> It was very striking to me to see the the imagery. So even though it's not really a pew, 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 I did write down that the uh, pergles at what I'm gonna call trans warp for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, would make a great like screensaver or desktop background. It was so beautiful um to, to see that. It was very stunning.
1: I did capture those for for the show art this week, but thanks for wrecking that for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're just gonna step all over each other tonight. All, all right, yeah. here we
1: go. Yeah. Cool. You have a pew well, Pew Pew, I think I a hundred percent agree, Sabine versus you know ten guys, right? Yeah, that was,
2: uh, again, it's so funny because, you know, she's been kind of denigrated in this series. You know, she's up against these very high-powered Force users, and she's not that, but she's still a great fighter, a Mandalorian with Mandalorian armor tricks, and she's not too bad with that lightsaber, and she kind of goes pretty badass
0: on those bandits. Yeah, I second that as well. I wrote down Sabine fighting what I'm calling the Ruskin traitors, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have a real name. I didn't see the captions. Uh, it, it did feel very, uh, you know, Tusken Raiders taking on Luke Skywalker sort of thing. But Sabine is uh, much more capable of fighting than than young pre-Jedi Luke was. Yeah, And, you know, it's funny
2: because we did comment on the fact that she left her helmet behind uh, although hopefully uh, Ahsoka's got it in the trunk, but uh, the Beskar sure yeah. is a heck of a thing, isn't it? Like she got shot in the chest mm-hmm. like four times. Yeah,
1: yeah. She doesn't pull out the late light lightsaber until quite late in the fight, right? Yeah, I think she's trying to sort of
2: not not pull out the big guns quite yet, and then there they just keep shooting her again. Of course, nobody can hit her in the head where she's not wearing armor, but uh, they keep shooting her, and eventually she uh, she. Loses her bag of tricks being a Mandalorian. And is like, okay, it's time to go pull Jedi on these these goobas. And, and yeah. yeah, I like when she's fighting the last guy and she just keeps chopping pieces off of his staff until he runs away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty good.
2: I'm sure there were a ton of Easter eggs in here. I pulled two. Right. When she's searching for Ezra, she pulls out uh, a life form scanner. It was very similar, if not the same, to the one that we see uh, Han Solo using when he's looking on right. Hoth for... Uh, Luke when Luke is injured by the Wampa and, and uh hard to locate and makes the same noises and does the same thing. Uh so yeah that was pretty pretty good. And and the other one I have was the Chimera, which is um if, for, for Rebels fans, and again sometimes we talk about whether or not you need to watch Rebels. You don't need to know that that's the Chimera, but when you've watched that series you know that that uh, is the flagship for the Grand Admiral and uh hmm. it's definitely looking the worst for wear. It's missing missing some parts, but uh but it's still a pretty badass looking Star Destroyer.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like there was a design similarity or some metaphorical echo. So I, I wrote down as a vague Easter egg hunt the elephant graveyard concept for the Purgles. Mm. Mm-hmm. That these Purgles come here to die on this not so great planet. And then the sort of semi skeletal Star Destroyer sort of seem, you know, because it's falling apart from not having. Um, Know, a crew that's hanging around and being you know, great and resupplied and all that stuff probably scavenged to some degree the, mm-hmm. the witches i assume are being held together by uh evil magic because they seem actually pretty good but also really freakish and un- unreal un unalive undead perhaps
2: yeah although i mean the night sisters from from uh clone wars and and rebels always look a little rough so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's hard to say i mean when you dabble in that much dark magic i think the idea is that uh it corrupts from within right yeah yeah i was again big picture on this episode i was like giggling like a, a school girl as i was watching this because it was just for for a fan of the animated universe it was just all these elements coming together the you know, the Night Sisters mm-hmm. and Thrawn and Ezra and, you know, all of these things were sort of happening at once and was just like, Oh, this is so satisfying. What are those little little guys with the shells called? Do we know? They did say in the episode they just called them, um uh they have it written down here, the Noti. They are called the Noti. But yeah, that's that's like the species, I think, not the name. So
1: yeah. Yeah, because in that one he says we have to like we have to help to pack, help them pack up, or whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 um, mm-hmm. yeah. And the closed captioning at one point uh, when she meets the first one, it says "Little Noti," and I thought, oh, maybe that's oh. that's Little Noti, as in like that's the person's name. But then later on, they, it says "Speaking Noti," so uh, hmm. Noti, I guess, is the is the, the species, not the person. Cool. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the questions, I want to run through some of the quotes um intergalactic space travel inside a star whale now i really have done it all that was Hu yang great line david Tennant. awesome uh the great mother it reeks of jedi when she points at sabine <laughs> that's just i don't mm. it, like weirdest stab ever like <laughs>
0: it reeks yeah. of jedi and that's uh, an extreme sort of take because we've at least heard in this series that Sabine is like the worst possible Jedi from like the the last one. Yeah. And if she can tell like, Oh, this one's, would you say reeks of Jedi? Like, yeah, this is a lot. Yeah. 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 She's like,
2: well, thank you. Thank you very much. I I do reek of Jedi. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, this is a land of dreams and madness. Children's stories come to life. Balin talking about, uh, Paridia, um, Ray Davies so good god it just makes his passing just that much more tragic he's so good he's Mm -hmm. so good uh as you get older you look at history you realize it's all inevitable the fall of the Jedi the rise of the empire repeats again and again and again yeah Balin that's again that's a killer line it's good and again great delivery so
0: good it's it's a good one, and it actually was my big question around, is there a theme that's going to end up happening uh, in this series or in the connected series of like, you know, some theme of, of getting older, wiser, and seeing those repeating cycles mm, mm-hmm. certainly does seem to play into the sort of take that I've had around Balin, where he seems to be taking a... Not really good, not really evil, but, like, pragmatic approach of, like, let's just stop these stupid war cycles and just, like, these people are in control? Are they terrible? Fine. But at least they're having order in place so we're not bashing each other with sticks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll circle back to that one in a second because I think there's definitely some stuff to unpack. Uh, From Thrawn. Your desire to be reunited with your long-lost friend. How that singular focus will reshape our galaxy to sabine about ezra that was uh oh again speaking of great performances mickelson was excellent um i'm so glad they that they cast him i know he's not a bang on match for the character but mm-hmm. the voice is so important he's so perfect the way his cadence in the cartoon series and his cadence in this he's just so measured and thoughtful the same guy? It's the same actor who did the voice on the on the Rebels series. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. And there was a lot of people were sort of saying, "Well, you could with makeup, maybe." And so again, if you see them side by side, you're like, mm, "No." But then neither were you know the the uh, some of the Inquisitors and everything. Like you yeah, gotta take yeah, some liberties, yeah. but uh, but oh, again, his voice is just it's so. Cool and calculating and sinister and oh it's just perfect. It's just absolutely oh, perfect. Oh, talking about for Thrawn. Character. I think we about Ezra. No, for Thrawn. For Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. just so perfect. Um no Ezra was recast. It's not the same voice actor.
1: Yeah, uh, no, the thrawn the thrawn actor, I forgot his name, but he um Lars Mikkelsen yeah, Lars Mikkelsen Yeah, he definitely has that that sort of slow, deliberate you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Just measured. You and, so he, creepy, yeah. calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No nobody is safe around him. Like No, because he's a constantly like he's a genius. He's just constantly he's constantly calculating, yeah.
2: Figuring out how to rip your heart out without actually touching you. It's just it's so yeah. sinister. Yeah. Uh and like he's not while, afraid of the night sisters for example, right? No. No. But but again, he knows exactly how to behave with them to get what he wants. Yeah. Like he's working everybody. He's working yeah. everybody all the time. It's just it's it's just delicious. Just such a wonderful performance. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, I knew I could count on you, though it sure took you long enough from from Ezra when reunited with Sabine. Uh again, great line. Um I like the young man they have uh cast as as Ezra. Like I wasn't sure when I saw his picture when they cast him, I was like, oh, okay, we'll see how he looks once he's sort of done up. But yeah, absolutely see it for sure. I mean he's supposed to be older now, right? Like Yeah, of course. A while. Mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. The beard's a nice touch. He looks uh I, I was thinking very Kaningeris that uh, he's got the beard now. So again, it's kind of a moment, right?
0: Um, any other quotes? The, uh, the trooper Enoch, I think mm. was the name with the weird, like, gold mask face. Yeah, that uh, was weird. Tells Sabine a very sort of Klingon-esque die well uh, on her journey into the mm. wastelands. Yeah, the, that character
2: is very unusual, the mask thing.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
2: I, there was, I've seen much debate, uh, in the, the social sphere this week over, is he going to pull a mall? Are we going to see this guy get chopped in half before he has a chance to uh, to do anything? Is uh, And then again, all the hype earlier this season about, you know, who is this character? Who is this Inquisitor? And it turns out to be just like a pile of animated dust. And you're like, oh, well, never mind. Because right. um, a lot of people were like, oh, maybe Enox is a secret character. And I'm like, no, he's just a bad guy with a weird mask. Like, calm down. Um, hmm. I can't say, like, there's one thing Star Wars has done exceptionally over the years is cool characters in masks. This is not one of them. That is a mm. dorky looking mask. I am not in. I'm not in. I don't want the action figure. I, and it's mm-hmm. very weird. I don't like it.
1: Which one? Enoch. Oh, the the, the, the gold, the gold mask. Guy? Yeah, yeah. Dumb looking. Just looks dumb. Yeah, yeah. They, they've done that a lot with a lot of the the droids and stuff with the sort of C3PO bodies, but a different head. It just looks wrong.
2: Well, I was wondering about the the armor. So you know, Thrawn says at one point, you know. Our time here has, you know, cost us plenty, basically. Like, we don't have the troops to spare. And when yeah. you see, at one point, when the troops are assembled, you see some of their armor is mended with what looks like gold. And, of course, we see the gold plate on Enoch's face. Mm. And it made me think of, and I can't remember the name of it, and Tim, you might know, there's a Japanese art form of, yeah, where of mending gold. things yeah. with gold, right? And yeah. the idea is to show the flaws, to highlight, you know, the flaws inside things and see yeah. the beauty in them. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's deliberate that way or if it's just supposed to be like they're supposed to be able to see that like their armor had to be patched because they've been there long and clearly it hasn't been easy.
0: The design made me think a little bit of um, King Arthur's son Mordred from Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was me just connecting some dot that's not actually meant to be connected or if that is some intentional subliminal design messaging of some sort you see. You certainly do stand out. It's going to make a cool, you know, action figure, you know, and people are going to talk about the the character regardless of what they end up doing, just because it is kind of an interesting design. It's weird. Um, but I wasn't sure that, it, have you all seen that, uh, that movie Excalibur? You know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Not for yeah. a long time, but yeah, the one mm. with um, Patrick Stewart in it.
2: Mm. We went to that castle, Tim. Mm. Yeah. Did we? Yes, that's true. We did. We, we and that's the
1: that same castle where they shot uh, the last duel, I think, as well. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Definitely. By the way, the name of that craft is, is uh, Kintsugi.
2: Right. That's what it is.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Centuries Kintsugi. old art of repairing broken pottery with gold. Yeah.
2: Again, just that's what sort of popped into my mind when I saw the. It just was so distinctive to see it in gold. Normally, you'd be like, oh, it's all sort of fused together with you know, duct tape yeah. and, and you know, rubber right. bands, but. The fact that it was gold was really interesting. Yeah. So two questions. And we talked about this one in previous. Who is calling to Balin? What is calling to Balin? Balin says, can you not hear it? He's talking to Shin and he says, you know, something is calling to me. Can you not hear it? Mm -hmm. So he's got a different purpose there than than Thrawn does. And it's particularly obvious that, you know, Thrawn just regards Balin as a disposable part. And he's like, you know, hey, when... No threat. Yeah. When they get there, just kill them all, will you? And like, oh yeah, piece of cake. Just kill all the guys with the lightsabers in the forest. That's not. That's always worked out well. But um, yeah, I, I. That's the big mystery to me is is still like what is the thing? What is what is the thing that is this Balin's bigger purpose, higher higher mission he's got going on here?
1: Well, I think you have to go back to. I mean, you have to go into rebels and and sort of some of those. You know the the. The episodes where they, st- or even Clone Wars, where they start with the red titles, you know, you know, because they had, you yeah. had um, Darth Maul and his brother, right? Was one they had a lot of dark sister episodes, right? What was the name of that 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 um, Sith the, the, at the very beginning of? I think maybe it was Clone Wars. Um, it was a female um, Sith. Oh, Asajj Ventress. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she wasn't Sith
2: either. She was dark Jedi because she was the she was Dooku's apprentice, but never actually yeah. got
1: uh into the club because only two there can be. Yeah. And and um where did she go?
2: Uh, I I could tell you, but it's a spoiler. Would you like me to tell you? <laughs> sure. I've seen the whole series. I've just completed her own. So, because uh Disney has canonized new books, new comics, new video games, those are considered canon. Yeah. She her story actually plays out in a novel that came out a few years back uh mm-hmm. where she teams up with Quinlan Voss who is one of the 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 remaining Jedi uh, and in the story they become a couple and by the oh. end of the story Asajj Ventress dies. Oh okay. Which is a huge bummer because I am a massive Asajj Ventress fan. I I that is an action figure I do have and I love that character. She is so cool. Mm-hmm. And I loved the sort of dirty flirting between her and Obi-Wan throughout the Clone Wars. Right. where they're like fighting, but you can tell that they might also want to be using other parts on each other. Yeah. Um, I thought their chemistry was crackling and I, I, I really enjoyed that the performance by, by the two of them and in the, in the the performances on the show. But uh, yeah, it's, it, to me, it, I, I found that out. I have not read the book, but I found that out once it happened and I was genuinely bummed because I thought she was such an interesting character and I, Sort of was invested in her throughout the Clone Wars, and really kind of mm-hmm. bummed that, that that she didn't get a, a any kind yeah, of. She
1: does. She conclusion. joins forces with Ahsoka at one point, right?
2: She does. She does. When Ahsoka's
1: and, on on the outs with the with the yeah Because the
2: because um, Palpatine finds out about her existence that Duku has a secret apprentice, and basically says, right. "Either you kill her, or I kill you." And Dooku's right. like, "Okay, so Duku." basically tries to have her killed and she ends up surviving, but then she's sort of out on her own and then she sort of becomes a mercenary and a bit of a bounty hunter and
1: some of the stories. And she ends uh, up helping Ahsoka when Ahsoka's on the run too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, again, I, I I was bummed that we didn't get to see a proper send off for that character that I had an investment in it. To me, killing her off in a novel felt very cheap, but mm. you know, these things happen. The other question I had which I think I know the answer to, but I'm curious if you will agree, is what is the cargo that they are loading into uh, into Thrawn's ship? Mm. Now, I'm going to say it was very explicit. They said, uh, you know, catacombs at one point, and it sure looked an awful lot like those were coffin yeah, coffin-sized
1: yeah. pieces. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're bringing a dead Sith back to uh, Palpatine.
2: I, I'm curious. I don't know if it's
1: because it's supposed to be. you remember there's a whole gallery of Sith in in the uh, in the last movie that you hate so much.
2: <sighs> yes, because
1: um, <laughs> there can they, only be two, right? They
2: and, the one we do not speak of. Um, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if it's that. If it because they say that the, that uh, Peridia is. Um, the place where people come to die, right? It's the place where the the purgles come to die. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's the place where Sith come to die, or the idea is that they always kill each other. But I wonder if it's Sith, or I wonder if it is more Night Sisters, and we're going to see sort of the rekindling of the dark magics. Because again, the episode ends with them referring to Thrawn, referring to the Night Sisters, and saying we're going to need more of your dark magic. Yeah, and to me, that made me think, oh, I wonder if those are Sith. Bodies that will be reanimated by the the grandmothers, or if that's going to be an army of the undead, an army of Night Sisters and um, Dathomiri, right? So that's like uh, Maul and Sauvage. And there was just, okay, I'm going to throw this out here as a theory. Okay. This story would happen after the events of Clone Wars and Rebels, obviously. Yeah. In Rebels we see the, f- the ultimate fate of Darth Maul, right? Maul's mm-hmm. obsessed with finding Obi-Wan. Maul finds Obi-Wan. Get spoilers. You had your chance. Uh, they, he's prepared for this big duel. Obi-Wan kills him in about two seconds. And mm-hmm. that's the end of Darth Maul. The really true end of Darth Maul. Right. I am really strongly thinking that Maul is one of those bodies.
1: Mm. But why wouldn't he be on that planet? Because that's where they put the Sith bodies. Oh, okay. It's the Sith burial ground, just like it's, it's the, the purple the burial Sith ground. Warehouse, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I see. Right. So the Earth is Sith bodies.
2: So, so it's not just bringing back uh, the, the Night Sisters aren't just bringing back like random people. Mm. They're bringing back fallen Sith warriors, right? So maybe we'll see Maul, Sauvage, Who knows? Right. That's the, again just just pie in the skying it. I want Jaime's take on this because I, I'm. I feel like maybe I'm out in left field here, but I. I just. Yeah, something about this seems right to me.
0: I. I think I miss how. Maybe I'm missing a connection. Like so. So how does Maul end up going from one planet to this planet? So, so maybe they, you know.
2: Again, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they dig up his body. Who knows? Maybe they're. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I, I just. I was thinking like. Ah, oh, it's, again, it's kind of a shame that they. They you were never gonna see Maul again. It's a shame we're not gonna see because again, now as soon as they brought the Night Sisters in, I was like, oh, okay, well, that ties us closer to to uh Dathomir. And of course, Dathomir brings us back to to Maul and and Selvage Press. And I was like, hmm, wonder what they could do to bring that back. And the other part that kind of was a tip for me was there is a uh a rumor out there that Sam Whitwer has, or it's not a rumor, he said he has something to do with this series. And Sam Whitwer was the voice of Maul on Clone Wars and Rebels. Hmm. He could be playing another part. He is a very talented voice performer, but I wonder if I wonder if there's gonna be some way for the Sith souls to go into other bodies or Sith bodies and other souls, or I there's gotta be some weird dark magic resurrection kind of something happening
0: with all this. Yeah, they did have the Inquisitor that was like a spirit in a suit. Yeah, the Muruk one, yeah. And people are wondering if the same thing stands true for that gold-faced Enoch person. Like, Yeah, he's actually know, dead? Yeah, he's dead, and it's like a, a, a zombie or a ghost in a suit kind of thing. Yeah. So it could could be, it could make sense, yeah.
2: Yeah. Either way, I, so I think we all agree that the series this series started out a little slow across the first two or three episodes, but... Four, five, and six have been
1: banger, banger, banger. So on the follow-up um, angle here, Here Comes the Brides was the name of this show that I couldn't remember the name of from that had, that covered the logging, early logging days in Seattle. And, of course, they had to get the bride, so they did the mail-order bride thing, right? Um and uh, it stars, it's got some interesting, interesting stars. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of um, Bobby Sherman, but he was like a heartthrob back in the seventies, like with Donnie Osmond and all those kind of guys and Jan Michael Vincent. But Robert Brown was the, the connection to Star Trek that I, how I remembered it. He was the, the character, remember the character that kept jumping, he kept fighting this, this guy that they can never see. And it turns out to be an anti-dark, anti-matter, matter guy kind of fight on the original series. Do you remember that one? And every time you saw him fight, it would be like the, the the video would go all reversed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's Robert Brown, the, who played the bad guy there. So Bobby Sherman was a, one of the brothers. And the third brother was David Soule. You may have heard of him. David Soule. And Soul. also in this show was Mark Leonard. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of people in here. Um, uh, b- b- rattle off some names. Uh, the guy who played... Uh, um, Chief O'Brien, was it Chief, o, what was the name of the, the Chief in the Batman series? Chief O'Hara. Chief O'Hara, played him, yep. you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, the guy who played, you know, the black and white guys who were the, the can you tell, the were reverse completely ones, different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not the Frank Gorshin guy, the other actor. His mm. name is uh, Lou Antonio. Mm. Um, somebody named Ed Asner. I don't know if you oh. can't place his name, you know. Yeah. William Sh- William Schallert, Sh- uh, who's um, in a lot of Disney stuff, right? And Vic Tabak, do you remember him? Oh, and the name rings a bell, I'm sure if I yeah, look him up. he's uh, from the Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Alice TV show. Okay. Uh, and some guy named Jack Albertson. Right. Really and, Jack- and Alan Hale, Jack Albertson's the old man from Willy Wonka. Oh, okay. And he also was the mechanic in Chico, Chico and the Man, or if you ever watched Freddie Prinze.
2: <laughs> no, that was a bit before my time.
1: Yeah, and then uh, Alan Hale Jr. played, I uh, um, think, what's his name, The Skipper. Yeah. Bill Mooney was on that show.
2: Hmm. Cornucopia yeah. Stars.
1: Cornucopia. And these are just some of the bit players, right, I'm rattling off. But yeah, Jane White was in that one, too. Yeah, it was, it was not a, I mean, it was not a, it was a, I don't know, very, very 70s show, but I don't know if it was a comedy, but it had its funny bits. But yeah, there was a whole bunch of, like, teen heartthrob magazines, and Bobby Sherman was one of the guys who'd be on the cover all the time. So oh, yeah, if you had sisters, you had those magazines. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so are we moving on to our watch list? Yeah. All right, so John, you're up first.
2: Yeah, so something I'm looking forward to, so uh, The Continental from the World of John Wick, yeah. that's the full title, uh, that starts on Friday, September 22nd uh so Mm. it's a three-part series i have not seen any details on the release schedule so i don't know if they're just dropping all three or if it's week by week i would imagine it's week by week given it's amazon but uh yeah looking forward to seeing the expanded john wick universe this is the first john wick without john wick but um the trailer looks really fun and yeah i'm curious to see if they can uh make more out of this think world because i think it's pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. rich it's pretty rich yeah, yeah. tapestry they've they've started with the first four movies so
1: yeah, yeah did you, have you seen the fourth movie yet no
2: actually it's funny xavier and uh i were just talking about it the other day because he just rewatched three and we have a copy of four and i said okay so this weekend is when we're sitting down to watch four and then the continental so that's going to be our our uh our plan for catching up i think
1: yeah, I haven't. I started watching it on the plane, but then I thought, you know, it's kind of it's. I, I think you have to be in the mood to watch that. Because so I, I ended up watching. I think women talking instead. Oh, that was um, really good.
2: Second, Joe. I just uh, yeah, I wanted to check in with you both. So uh, finished obviously last week was the season finale of Foundation season two. Um, I think I brought it up sort of over the course of the season that I was enjoying it, but uh, it. The last, the second half of of season two, again, just, they were ripping off good episode after good episode after good episode. Uh, it really ended strongly and, um, you know, and they really have kind of set the stage for, I think, what a lot of, uh, Tim, you had mentioned and a lot of, I think, Foundation fans are really looking forward to the era of the Mule coming up in season three. They have not confirmed for sure that they're doing a season three and I don't think they're going to announce it anytime soon because obviously the strikes that are going on, but um I loved what I saw in season two. There was so much fun and it was inventive and it was, you know, uh, twisty without being obnoxious. I thought sometimes they went a little too far with the twists and turns in season one. But season 2 was really really good. The performances were really good and uh I really hope they come back and do a season 3 cuz I'm I'm into this world now. I hope they continue for a few more. It felt very games of game of thrones kind of, you know, epic and you know, big bad guys and yeah, just just a lot of fun.
1: I do I do have a couple of couple of things to say about that. One one is I don't like the way they're introducing the mule. Like the way they introduced the mule in in the books was just amazing. Um I think
2: I mean, they were no- trying to find a way to get the mule in early because so many people were excited to see yeah. the mule.
1: Yeah. And they kept talking about second foundation and they kept trying to break second foundation. The name of the second book is second foundation. So, mm. n- you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, the thing I, the problem I had with this particular show, if we can just talk about for a second was the regeneration of empire. Mm. Right. Because, and I'm going to say, si- I'm going to speak in, in foundation tongue. So people who haven't seen the show won't know what I'm talking about, but, but I mean the whole concept of of the three genera, you know, day, dawn, and and dusk, mm. is that it's meant to be that It's the same clone of the original em- empire emperor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, clone, I forgot his name though. Um, Clovis or something like that, but anyway, um, Cleon, I think Cleon. Cleon. Yeah, and so when they when they they regenerate all three at the same time, I always thought that they would just start with the young one, and then he would grow through his life and become. So dawn would be the young man who would then ascend to to the, be the the main guy. He would be then he would be day, and then he would get old and become dusk. Right. And so they would just keep as dusk passed away, they would just go back and get a new new dawn. Right. But in this case, they they regenerate all three of them at this at their various ages. It, it made no sense to me. Like, why would you why would they as from a clone generate dusk, for example? Like, what's the point of that? <laughs> you know, hey, welcome to the world. You're about to die in like 10 years. You know, like, doesn't make sense. That, yeah. That, I had it.
2: I guess they were trying to sort the different aspects.
1: and yeah,
2: I know again, i I don't know as much as you do, Tim, having obviously read the books, but I do know that, um again, a I lot think, a lot of
1: what we've seen in the stories, yeah, isn't in the books,
2: yeah. I've heard they've taken quite a quite a bit of liberties to try and glue some things together and try and sort of sort of amalgamate some of Asimov's concepts that were. Just a, maybe a little too hard to to grasp in a visual medium. But he
1: did, he did, he did. I mean, he did have. I mean, over time, I'm sure he evolved it. But he did have a, a grand history that he was working from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so did Heinlein did the same similar thing. Like they would build these huge worlds, and they would basically that would be their sort of you know, their storyboard that they would work from to write the various small novels within each, each section. And, but the thing about the foundation book, it was written in like the fifties as mm. a fifties pulp science fiction. So mm. it wasn't as thorough as you would expect in 2023, which is why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, you know, cause we, cause nobody would watch it if it was as dry and slow as, as the fifties version would be. Right.
2: It, it's still it would amazing concept right it's just it's it's not as punchy as a modern audience is is looking for i mean in
1: in terms of like where he goes in terms of in terms of story and and concept i mean it was phenomenal right but yep. i mean i read it in like the 80s right so i'm sure if i read it today it'd be like i've read i've gone back and read the galaxy books there's a there's a series of books like right? there's M- the empire books there's the robot books there's the later robot books there's um the galactic galaxy books about, about the expansion of man across the various galaxies. And then they all come together in the foundation series that he did at the end to close to his end, end of his life. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, so he kind of, he kind of brought the whole thing round and full circle.
2: I mean, did you watch uh, the final uh, bit of the season? I haven't seen
0: foundation. No, no. Okay.
1: So he has no idea what I just said. Not even <laughs> the slightest clue. <laughs>
0: then it won't matter. Remain yeah.
1: unspoiled. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really spoil too much. I did watch Doug Days though. Carl's date. Yeah, what a
2: sweet ending for for the the Carl Fredricksen character. You know. Uh, so we talked about this. Uh, this was the one that they had put in theaters with the uh, Pixar Elemental movie this year. And so it, uh, Elemental and uh, Doug Days, Carl's date, both dropped on Disney Plus last week. It's a nice sweet little short six seven minutes uh make the time to watch it. It's basically you know uh Carl fretting over the fact that uh you know he's he's got asked on his first date and of course we know part of the story of up is just how you know devoted and loved uh in love with his wife Ellie who passed away he is and so he has this sort of great anxiety about what to do and of course Doug has to you know become the the logical one in the in the the duo and it's just it's so sweet and you know a beautiful fitting send-off for the character and for Ed Asner uh, who of course passed away and and this was his last bit of of uh uh, playing this character
0: but uh yeah cute funny sweet exactly what you want all right what you got Jaime um season two of winning time is uh complete and uh this is presumably is it
2: it complete Jaime
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh did win the Stanley Cup, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I, I will say for folks who, who haven't seen Winning Time, the, the story of the Los Angeles Lakers in the 80s when uh, yeah, the reign of Magic Johnson. Um, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed season one. Mm-hmm. Season two, I think, has a little bit of a, or I should say, a significant bit of a sophomore slump. Um, I feel like the meta outside of the show stuff impacted this. Like, I suspect they kind of knew they may not get. A third season uh, i it, they could certainly do a third season but it it felt like this season was sort of a speed run through the 80s um so whereas mm. the first season was like hey here is the 1980 season yeah uh yeah i guess 79 to 80 season this one starts out i want to say in 84 gives you a little flash forward and yeah. then flashes back shows you speed run of like eighty one and then uh spends I think most of its time in like eighty two going to maybe eighty four I kind of started getting lost on the on that and so it if it was a thing where you could have you know from i guess semi spoilers from nineteen eighty to let's say nineteen eighty eight I don't know that they would necessarily have eight seasons worth, but you could make you know three to four seasons out of that pretty easily right um so this one it it's kind of weird to call it to to end on a downer it kind of ends in more of a epilogue than anything else which is really really weird it didn't fit with the show
2: it was maybe the worst ending to a what i thought was a good show that i can recall it was so obviously like killed as opposed to finished uh, mm-hmm. i Again, I'm a basketball fan, I'm an NBA fan, I've read books about that era, I lived through some of it. I I thought that there was some real highlights in this show. The two young men they have playing uh Magic and uh Kareem were great. I thought um I, I thought I really liked Adrian Brody's performance as as Pat Riley. Uh, he was definitely the, the sort of high water mark of the season. This season, I think, in that whole, you know, the power dynamic, what's going to happen between uh, Paul Westhead as the coach and and uh, Magic as the player, which of course we've seen play out now for the last. That was like a real moment in sports where the coach, the player, had more power than the coach, and the coach lost the fight. That was the beginning of a player empowerment era that continues to this day. And telling that story in the way they did was really good. um I, <laughs> So they start the season with this flash forward to 1984, and then they end the season in just seven episodes later. They spent the first like five or six episodes building up to this sort of storyline of like we got to beat the Celtics, we got to beat the Celtics, and then in the final episode they lose the 1984 finals to the Celtics, and then it just comes up with this epilogue that lists off like all the things that happened in 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, and Jeannie Bus ends up getting the team because her dad died. Like it's just. It's the worst. It was the worst, the worst, most slapdash, pathetic, kick in the pants for anybody who watched it, I thought, of any show I can recall in a while.
1: It was just... Uh, How about, like, um, Attack of the... or Return of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith? Okay, but that's a a movie, too. I mean, again, like, (laughs) there's been some terrible movies. At the back, you know, the last 20 minutes, he's got to check off all the stuff, right?
2: Oh, I mean, it was just... It was just so... The pacing of this season, as Jaime mentioned, is just so awful. To, mm. to spend that much time in the middle and not talk about the actual like winning of the titles, finally overcoming Boston, which they did the very next year, which would have been season three, mm. or they could have told it if they'd had. So to they're turn not
1: doing a season three, is that the thing? Oh, it's just? canceled.
2: They announced this as soon as the the show finished airing. They announced it was canceled. And you can tell when when you got to the end of this episode, you're like, there's no chance this show is coming back. Not any at all. But it's so stupid because, again, the whole series starts with Magic Johnson's uh, press conference to announce he has HIV in 1991. This is one of the most seminal moments in like like global sports history is this like maybe the best player, second best player in the NBA at the time uh, announcing he's got HIV at a time when HIV was a death sentence. Like, and then they don't even pay that back off. They're just like, and uh, he married Cookie and all that. Like, just... And he lived, right? Garbage. Just absolute garbage ending to this series. I'm so disappointed. And again, I get it. It didn't click with everybody. They were in the problem that you run into by telling a true story in that you can can try and go off in different ways, but you can't really... Like, the character that was... um, Jerry Buss's wife, his new wife in the show, that character didn't exist. There was no Honey, whatever her name was. Um, They were just kind of trying to sort of amalgamate things that had happened into sort of larger story pieces, you know, and that ticked off a lot of purists. So the real NBA fans and the real Laker fans were like, well, this is dumb. And, you know, they made the, the Boston Celtics and the people of Boston look like the biggest scum in the planet, as well as Larry Bird. So a lot of people were ticked off by that. but. Yeah, what a just, oh, I'm just, maybe I just need to calm down. But I just, I was so, <laughs> I was so disappointed by the end of this series. And I agree with you, Jaime, it wasn't as good as season one, but I thought there were some good moments in the season. And I still think this series could have gone on in a different world where we're not talking about the costs of everything and, you know, all the circumstances we're dealing with. I think this could have been a great little five, four or five seasons covering the 80s, Come, circling back to magic's you know uh diagnosis or even better they could have just skipped ahead and started telling like more lakers stories and told us about the shack and kobe era there's a great series to be written about that like mm-hmm. this just was the worst thing you could have ended it on and they lost to the celtics magic's crying in the shower and then we're just going to list
0: off everything that happened after that and a bunch of screens like shut up yeah, it's it's so weird because that would have been an awesome ending to season two. We're like, holy smokes, I can't wait to see season three, right? Like, you know, Absolutely. surely they will, they will overcome in season three. But to not let it have that, it, it does kind of end with a, Jerry Bus as Poochie going back to his home planet, sort of yeah. <laughs> epilogue I, ending. I have to makes... go back to my home planet now. Poochie died on the way home. So I guess, you know, it's hard to call Wikipedia of historical events spoilers. But if you wanted to know, it's like the Celtics win 81, 84, 86. The Lakers, however, I don't know. Let's start counting with 80 because people naturally do that, right? Uh, 80, 82, 85, 87, 88. Yeah, so, um, I, I definitely did like, uh, is it Michael Chickless? It was the uh, yeah. oh. like just. Just hateful so good. owner, uh, so, so good. cocky and egotistical owner of the Celtics. Like he was so good as like playing the villain there, and and you're right, they de- <laughs> They definitely made the uh, the Boston uh, fans and team look like absolute super villains uh, in this. Yeah, I and
2: uh, yeah, Chickles was fantastic as Red, and the young man they had playing Larry Bird was so, like, his shot even looked like Larry Bird's shot. Like, there was some really cool moments in this series. Again, obviously super hard to cast. You'll never get these guys who are actually the proportions. You know, like, in the real world, uh, you know, Kareem is, like, eight inches taller than Magic. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much you can do when you're casting things. It is what it is. But it's just like, oh, my God, it's so... It, it, yeah, it just it just could not have ended in a worse place. Like the whole series was like Jerry Buss versus Red Arbuck, the Celtics versus the Lakers, these two dynasties going head to head in the moment that made basketball matter for America and we just stopped in 1984. <laughs> like
1: shut up. <laughs>
2: All right, I'm going to go take some Xanax and you can go
1: Tim. <laughs> All right. My turn. Well, um, yeah, speaking of speaking of stuff that just sort of showed up on on uh, I don't know where how I saw this, but I think I was just cruising around yesterday. I, I knocked off a bunch of shows that I had piled up on the, the various streaming services, and I just went over to um, Paramount to see what was going on. And I saw The Fablemans, which I hadn't seen yet, which is the biopic by Steven Spielberg about his, you know, his early life and, and up to the point where he meets John Ford. And, um, I gotta say, like, I started watching, I was thinking, oh, I'll watch it a little, I'll watch maybe a half an hour and then I'll go to bed and whatever. I ended up staying up till th- like way after three, because it is such a good movie. It's fun, like, you know, typical Spielberg just pulls it off again. Um, so I can't highly recommend, uh, Fable- Fableman's enough. Right. So it was, it was really good. Paul Dano plays his dad. Um, Michelle, what's her name? Plays his mom. Williams. Um, William Michelle Williams, yeah, and uh, the two sisters, the girls who play his sisters are are pretty cool. And then it's, I mean, it's kind of it's a bit like Back to the Future in that sense because it's like early sixties, you know, fifties and sixties kind of stuff, and and you know, growing up being a Jewish boy in a in a you know Christian high school kind of thing, and and yeah, just really good and and all about how I mean I've seen some of his films that he made as a as a kid um, before. They're all listed on his IMDb page. In fact, right um going back to the early 60s right so yeah i mean like if you've if you, you know if you're a fan of pretty much anything he's ever done like you know indiana jones or you know na- name a spielberg movie that you've seen like it is as good as any of those it, I, I very rarely give uh, a movie a five star rating on on letterbox but this one definitely earned it for sure so it would have been and i think it was pretty high it, i think it opened the the toronto uh, international film festival last year um yeah. Phenomenal movie. Hmm. And then since you guys brought back the stuff that you've been watching, I don't know if you got, do you want to say anything about that before I go?
2: No, I'm, I am I definitely added it to my watch list when I saw it dropped and uh, yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I you mean, enjoyed it because you have similar, tend to have similar tastes. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, if you're into the, the craft of making films, it's, it's really, really cool. I mean, you know, we have some of the equipment here in our basement that, that he was working with, the, you know, super eights and stuff like that. Right. So. Um, yeah. And, and he had an eye, like as a, as a little kid, he had an eye, right? So, which is, which is hard to come by. Um, and since you guys brought back some of the shows that you've been watching as well, um, I'm watching Reservation Dogs season three. Um, it's a story about a you know bunch of young Indian, um, Native American uh, kids growing up in Oklahoma at in now time um a couple of, they did a last episode was actually a flashback to the 60s which was kind of really interesting um but it didn't make the connection but one of the one of the main characters his name is is uh Allura, and her name her actual name is Alora dan and something or other right as the, her parents named her after willow and uh, there's a bunch of willow references in the first season, which is kind of interesting if you, if you dig into that kind of stuff. But it's a really good, really good show. I mean, some of the actors are really good. I mean, the um, the young um, uh, Native American girl that in um, uh, Ghostbusters uh, she plays a she, she plays a really interesting character in this movie or in this TV show, I should say. And it's season three, so it's like you know what, um, quite a few episodes in. Um, invasion season two is well underway. I think I mentioned Invasion last when i when it ended last year i kind of thought it had it had a bow it had been wrapped up in a bow and kind of kind of where could they go from here but uh they're they're actually going there so um interesting sci-fi um and it's a mix of um there's japanese scientists and american scientists and they kind of all sort of it's the world trying to solve this problem right so of this invasion from another planet and um I don't know if more The Morning Show is season 3 or season 2 season 3 so season 3 has dropped and um yeah it continues to be a really good show so and it's it's very current i mean at the end of um season 2 the main character played by um Rachel Green what's her name Jennifer Aniston yep. um co- comes down with uh comes down with covid as part of the part of the storytelling right and so we we pick up where you know now COVID is done and now they're into the, the stuff that can happen uh, in the season three. So I'm not going to ruin the, the plot lines, but yeah, it's really good. I mean, and it's, it's, was that a newsroom show you used to watch, John? I've never watched it, but it's compared to that in terms of by the critics. So
2: yeah, I've heard it. I've heard the comparisons. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm curious. I've, I had heard people talking about the first season and the common phrase that I've heard for the show is it's the best worst show on television.
1: Best worst show?
2: Yeah, the best worst show on television is yeah. how somebody described it in season one and then again talking about this season, saying that it is both horribly terrible and also
1: incredibly compelling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's I'm not sure if I want to
2: invest in that or not.
1: Well, it, I mean, it's not as smarmy as daytime television can be, but it, but it, it definitely has that sort of 30 Rock, you know, um, that other show that... Um, the other guy from Friends did um, kind of you know like oh, yeah, about it was TV it's production. Studio sixty, yeah, something like that. Like like the it's got that sort of same sort of feel to it, and and it's you know it's a bit of a dynasty and all that kind of mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, there's some really good actors in it, right? This yep. year, John Ham's in it as a sort of a Elon Musk type character. Mm-hmm. But Billy Crudup is like phenomenal in this. I mean, like he he played like as the, he's the CEO of, of the network, right? So and he's just really really good. So. I mean like you you'd love to hate him.
2: Does he jump off a building yelling I'm a golden god at some point or
1: No, no, he doesn't do that. But yeah, but I mean compared to compared to Almost Famous, like it's almost like it's a different actor. Like he's that good. Like I, I actually was watching him yesterday going, Is that the same guy? <laughs> you know? So yeah. I mean he, he I mean he kind of was the, the other show I watched, the uh, Hello Tomorrow, whatever it was called, um, was a bit similar to this character but yeah but um but he's he's pretty good in it and of course you know all the other actors are i mean it's not all about just jennifer anderson and that it's it's a ensemble ensemble cast so you know pretty good i do recommend it if you're looking for a diversion and it's you know it's bingeable now because it's got two and a half seasons out there right um. Yeah. and That's. I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you. Where they find you? You can find me on tw- uh, Twitter X and Instagram as at JPK News. Or you
2: can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK. All
1: right. And Jaime, if people people want to get in touch with you. Where they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where I can be found. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast.